Good evening. Welcome to Tom's World Language Cafe, coming to you live from Fishers, Indiana. It's Thursday, March the 18th, 7.15 in the evening. And boy, do we have a special guest for you guys tonight. Uh, Juan Carlos Alarcón is going to be speaking with you. And uh, he's, uh, uh, we're very honored to have him on the show. And, um, but before we start that, I just want to remind everybody to subscribe to the podcast and uh, be sure that you listen to our next program. And our next program, I believe we're going to try to have a, a mariachi singer from San Antonio. So uh, that's going to be in our next show. Um, now, um, the weather here today is cold and chilly and rainy. But boy, it's got to be nice tomorrow, right? So what we'd like to do now is introduce um, our, our guest. And again, we are deeply honored to to have a person of this uh, stature on our show. And he's our first uh, a guest who has ever won a Grammy, a, a Grammy, right, I think. So uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay, Juan Carlos, how are you? I'm doing well, Tom. How about yourself? I'm doing good, thanks. Um, can you tell the listeners a little bit about... Uh, where you came from and your family and, and your education? Absolutely. So my name is Juan Carlos, like you've mentioned. I'm originally from Puebla, Mexico, um, and I was brought to the States when I was eight years old. I knew no English, so speaking here uh, uh, in English is a, uh, it's a success for me. I mean, uh, just, just goes to show that you can do anything and everything if you just put your mind to it. You speak beautiful English, beautiful, be- better than I do. <laughs> no, it's just very nice, beautiful, beautiful English, excellent. Okay, uh, but now you're so you came from Puebla, right? Puebla, right. With with your family, right? With my family, yes. And we, my dad was already living here, uh, working, and um, he said. He was going to come work for about a year, go back uh, to Mexico and, and you know, just save some money. But then for some reason, he says, why don't you guys join me up here? And so my mom said, all right, we'll do it. It's, it's all of us or none of us. And we just came and, and, and uh, we, we met up with him and we've been here ever since. Um, I started school in the fourth grade. And how old were you when you got here? I was eight, eight years uh-huh. old. Uh, it was in July, uh-huh. July 2001. So um, now you've come a long way with your education. Could you tell the listeners uh, where your degree's from and what degree you're working on now? So right now, well, I graduated from IU South Bend with a bachelor's in music education. Um, and right now I'm working on my master's in choral conducting in the sacred music department at the University of Notre Dame. Impressive. Again, congratulations for all the great work. Um, so um, did you graduate from, uh, what, what high school did you go to, in, in El- Elkhart or South Bend? I went to Elkhart Central High School. Okay, okay. that's a pretty big school, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, and now this year is... They merge. There's two high schools in Elkhart. There's Elkhart Memorial and Elkhart Central. Now they're merging into one. Um, and I never, you know, while I was in high school, I didn't think uh, 
you know, you go to high school, you graduate, and yeah, it's at your alma mater, but once they start, once you start getting older and you, and you think back about all these things that happened during high school, it's like, that's your high school. And when I, when I heard they were merging it, and so it wasn't going to be Elkhart Central, it was a little bittersweet. But as a, as a teacher, as an educator, you know, uh, the reasons why they're merging and bringing more people together and, and advancing these good causes, it's like, okay, I can live with that. That's, that's good. And so let's talk about your English study uh, that you did in, in school. You learned English in, in, uh, in the United States, in, in Indiana. But um, were there teachers or a teacher that especially inspired you? Absolutely. Mrs. Peterson in fourth grade. She would, um, if, in gym class and in music, and not music though. Uh, so gym class and art <laughs> class and these other, uh, other classes, she would pull me out for like the last 15 minutes and she would sit with me and she would review vocab and teach me sentences and, and, and just these extra things that she did not have to do, but she did it because she wanted to see me succeed. And I appreciated that. Um, one of the things that I struggled with was uh, uh, clock and watch. They both tell time. In Spanish, you know, you have reloj and it could be, you know, on your hand or on the wall. But you know what it is with the context. But in English, you know, the clock is on the wall and the watch <laughs> is on your wrist. And to me, it's like, why, are we, why do we have two different words for the same thing? And so she would explain to me, like, because this is why this is and all these different things. And she was just an absolute angel to me. And I was able to, to pick up a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of vocab and a lot of... Uh, these uh, just cultural things that, that you know, you, 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 you just pick up. And uh, I really appreciated that. And that's, that's how I learned English. And we were, we were one of the few Hispanic families uh, in, in, in the school at that time. So we really didn't have much of uh, interaction with, with, other, uh, with other Hispanic Latino families. But the, the teachers there and administrators and the community really embraced us and, and really took us in so and one of the things you learn right is you learn the, the idiomatic language right the different the the, the connotations and meanings of words and uh, it reminds me of uh, I'll mention this very quickly but uh, a while back back in the I think it was in the early 90s late late 80s late 80s early 90s I spent a lot of time in San Luis Potosi Mexico and uh, I had a, a teacher, his name was Sotero Rivera, and uh, taught me a tremendous amount about Mexican idioms, modismos mexicanos. And I learned so many idioms, it was astounding. And then I, he'd teach me different states, right? Different states had different, you know, idioms in this state, you know, and, and uh, Jalisco was different than San Luis Potosí, and et cetera, et cetera. And uh, the same is what you said. I think there's always somebody, right, a teacher that really helps inspire people, right? And and uh, I know the the listeners, many of whom are, are teachers, uh, that, that sometimes think teachers don't realize how far their influence goes. Do you? I mean, no, I, I I don't 
I don't think we realize those things. I don't think we, um, and I say we because I'm, I'm, I'm also an educator. Um, it, it's, it's like you go into the classroom and, and you do what you're supposed to do and you have standards and you have um, all these different sheets you have to turn into the state or your administrators. But at the end of the day, even if it's just one person who comes back and says thank you or draws a picture or mentions you in, in one of the talks that, that you give mm -hmm. anywhere or any, I mean, teachers at, at the end of the day, they're just, it, you know, for any teachers who are listening uh, to the podcast is, you know, never go to bed thinking that you have not done something good. Yes. Even if one person you've changed and that, that has a ripple effect. So, I, I mean, I still, to this day, think of my elementary school teachers and everything they've taught me. Yes, exactly. It's amazing, yes. And uh, well said, uh, Juan Carlos, very well said. I always think of Juan Carlos in Spain. Uh, remember, Juan Carlos was a rey, eh? a rey de España. And, yeah. uh, but uh, beautifully said. I, I thought that magnificent what you said there. Um, so, um, so then, uh, were you learning English by itself totally, or were you in a kind of bilingual class or a dual language type class? Well, we went to, um, ESL back in the, you know, back in the day it was called ESL and, and we met with, with other kids and, and we sat around table going, uh, playing games, doing songs and vocab and, um, that, that's how I, we learned. We, we went to this classroom and, and, and we, you know, we just learned the old-fashioned way, I guess. Now there's so many different activities and interactive stuff with computers and, and different, um, uh, just different things. But back in the day, you know, we had our teacher, some, uh, an assistant of some sort, and, and we talked and learned vocab and, and just practiced uh, with the, the homework that we were given and all of those things. So that's how I learned. Now, did your, did your uh, folks learn English as well? Um, my dad, yes. My mother, my mother understands uh, quite a bit, but doesn't speak it as, as strong as, uh, as, you know, my dad or, or us. And it's just, it, it, it's the culture, too. Uh, my mother has not had to leave the home to work or, or anything. Mm -hmm. You know, there's still that culture of, you know, the, the mom stays at home. The familia, the familia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, to me, I've really appreciated that growing up because I always had my mother at home. I, you know, uh, good meals uh, when <laughs> I uh, got home from school. Um and I saw my, my, my peers around me who uh, both of their parents had to work and just a different, a different culture. So coming here, uh, I mean, as many of you know, it's, it's a culture shock. But we try to sort of keep some of those, those cultures and some of that uh, traditions alive and uh, incorporate new ones because as just as language evolves, I think traditions evolve and, and I think we become better when we learn, you know, those new traditions. Correct. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, in the day when you first came to the U S 
were there prejudices, a lot of prejudices? Or today, are there more or less uh, as far as concerning the Latino student? You know, as a as a child, you don't really pick up on these things. Um, I, I certainly didn't uh, uh, pick up on, on these things. Maybe as I got older in middle school or high school, but in elementary school, everything was new to me and, and to our family that it was exciting. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was, you know, the extent of those things. But there wasn't really much... I don't think we experienced any sort of racism or, or prejudice um, growing up in the first, you know, years that, that we were here. But I think as technology became more, uh, more uh, involved in the lives of people, I think we sort of saw more and more uh, of those things. So... Uh... Today, do you feel like there there is uh, some racism involved here with the Latinos, and uh, or is it depend on where you're at? In other words, it, I, I assume probably if we were living in San Antonio, Texas, right? If we were down in Texas, or we're over in California, or we're in uh, uh, parts of Nevada, maybe in in Arizona, it, the whole thing could be different, right? Than in Indiana. I suppose. Yeah, right. I, I certainly think so. And, and a lot of the uh, education is, is, you know, as cliche as it sounds, it's education is key to success. And I truly, truly believe that. Many of, of what people do or say, I think it's lack of, lack of education and lack of experience and exposure. Um, so for me, for somebody like me, it's important to, to teach and not just... Um, in the classroom, but wherever I go, many people are are impressed about what I do and what I've done, and and say things like, "Well, no, I didn't know Latinos could be so successful," or "You speak very well, uh, you know, English for being an immigrant." Or you, you speak English for being. If you were a native, you speak good English. Right. Oh, your English is beautiful. Oh. So, so things like things like that. You know, and they say it not because they want to single you out, but they really do care and they really mean well. Mm-hmm. But that perception, I think, needs to change that. I think, and not just Latino, Hispanic uh, uh, people, but I think everyone is capable capable of, uh, of, of being successful. They just need to be presented with these opportunities. Yes. And, and not presented with opportunities that these aren't handouts. I don't want to, you know... Have people misinterpret uh, my words, but we have to create these opportunities, and we have to, you know, abrir el camino, open, yes. open avenues for uh, abrir puertas, huh? también, huh? abrir puertas. Yeah. So, not, yeah, not just for us, but to to, yeah. to all. But the, um, for example, today that the new leadership in our government, the federal government, I've been very encouraged by the leadership and and by some of the. Uh, some of the people that um, that President Biden has appointed to to many of the cabinet posts, right? We we have Latinos, we have Native Americans, we have uh, uh, African American people. We have a, a, a bit of everybody, and that's what our country's about. We're all one, right? And it's yeah. so encouraging to be in this environment finally. 
<laughs> you know, where we I feel like we're, we're that's what this is about, right? We're we're all one and and from all the different cultures that one of the few countries in the world that can say that, you know, the great democracy that we have, considering all the other cultures that we're all together now, right? And and we all came from another country, right? We just didn't, most of us, we didn't just originate here, you know. So uh, that, that's very encouraging. Tell us about what you're doing now and your profession. Uh, now, you're at Notre Dame studying. Are you Correct. teaching at Notre Dame? I am. I, I teach uh, one of the children's choirs, and I teach piano in their sacred music academy. Um, one of the things, I guess, three things that have re that really guide my life and what I do is education, community engagement, and diversity and inclusion. Whatever I do, whatever I say, I... I it falls under either one or, or, or any of those, uh, you know, a mixture of those categories. And so I've really, when, when accepting this, uh, you know, invited to, to continue my education at Notre Dame, I really wanted to, to continue those, those things, my community engagement and that diversity and inclusion and, and, and teaching. So uh, th that's what I do. And I, I always try to incorporate those things into into what I do and that's I'm, I'm uh, part of uh, the symphony board in the Elkhart Symphony I'm in the IU South Bend uh, Arts Foundation board um, I, I want to give back I think it's important to give back and I and and just like you're saying representation in these things is absolutely essential I don't think I would be where I am if I did not see uh, you know people with the same skin color as, as I am um, in these leadership positions. So I think it's, I think it's important. It, it is, and it, it's totally important. Um, so what is your plan for the future then? You're going to stay at Notre Dame? Or are you going to end up teaching? Is that the plan? After the college my, teaching? or? Yeah, I, after I finish my master's, um, I want to get a doctorate uh, at, uh, somewhere, you know, in, in, mm -hmm. in that, um and after that, I would like to teach, mm -hmm. teach uh, college level, teaching, you know, teaching teachers uh, how mm -hmm. to teach. Um, and I also want to start, um, if start or partner with uh, an organization that provides uh, assistance to, to musicians and artists and dancers and, and you know, just artistic people as a whole um, growing up I I wanted to play the organ and I Goshen it's another city they had a community school of the arts but I couldn't travel to Goshen because my dad's work schedule and it just didn't work out and then um, I called uh, the local organ teacher and she said she didn't take beginners so I started teaching myself how to play the organ. Oh, for goodness sake. And I remember, you know, feeling, feeling empowered by that no. And I, in my mind, I was like, yes, I'm going to do it. And so these, I, I want to provide these opportunities for those who want to but can't. So that's, that's my plan for the future. So uh, when, um, so you're... Your thoughts on uh, um, 
back to music for a minute. How did you get interested in playing music, about instruments and things? Was that from going to church, maybe, or no? I mean, were you very, was that a part of your life growing up, too, the church participation, or no? Uh, yes and no. Um, it's the first, I think, when I, I figured out what I wanted to do when I was perhaps three years old. The first two years were undecided. Mm-hmm. So, uh, <laughs> I, I, I was really drawn to, to music, uh, musical things at a very young age, uh, when people would sing or when I'd hear music in the radio. Um, and so when I was, you know, growing up, I'd always ask for a keyboard for Christmas, but... And you figured it all out, right? Obviously. <laughs> well, I mean, my parents were like, you know, we're not going to purchase something for you to just play around for a couple of days and forget about it. So I, I, I grew up still interested in music, but when I was eight or, yeah, when I was nine, uh, the church needed somebody to play. And so they said, if you learned the song, you can play it. So I learned the song and we sang that song for about two, three months. Because that's the only song I knew how to play. <laughs> that's amazing. And then they said, well, if you learned three other songs, you can play for the whole service. <laughs> so we sang the same song for about, you know, same amount of time. But you had them down good, right? That's good. I had them down good, ready to go. And then uh, other members of, of the church uh, would come down to, to our building and, and they just taught me. And, and that's, how I, that's how I learned. So you learned, you learned the organ. Do you also play the piano, right? I do, yeah. Piano is my main... Uh, well, piano was uh, where I started. And then did you take lessons or learn that? Did you kind of learn that by yourself too, or no? At the beginning, I I I sort of uh, I I learned by myself, but I I would I would go to my lessons and then go home and watch YouTube and watch videos and watch you know I I want I wanted it all, so I was taking these huge bites of of, (laughs) of these musical things, Um, but. It, it, that, that's that's how I got started and and you know I, I used to play in the band at school when I was in sixth grade I played clarinet um, and I was pretty good at it and but my teacher never believed me she wanted me to fill out this practice chart <laughs> and I said you just gotta trust me and, and I, I can I can play all these melodies I can you know I could play every single instrument's part on my clarinet and but the teacher wanted that, and it was a green piece of paper. I still remember every Friday, but I would never turn it in. And my dad said, either you start practicing or we can't pay for this clarinet anymore. And I said, you know what? Well, then don't pay for it because I'm not going to turn in my practice sheet. And, but I, and so I, I quit the band, but I missed it. I, I went to seventh grade and missed uh, missed playing with people, missed that camaraderie. So, do you write music too? I no, I have not. I have not uh, tried that. I, I I love. There are certain things that uh, that I have not done. I have not written music, um, and, you know, or arranged things. I I'm, I I love interpreting uh, other people's music. As a conductor, um, 
you know, that's what I do all the time. I, I see the notes and I try to create this masterpiece you, of what has been written. Do you have any favorite Mexican musicians from the past, present, or composers that you like? I mean, just let, let's just say popular ones that people, you know, may know. Do you know, have any favorites? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, in, in the classical world, uh, uh, Carlos Chavez... Uh, wrote many wonderful pieces mm -hmm. and uh, Jose Pablo Moncayo, his Wapango, mm -hmm. it's wow. famous, uh, famous uh, around the world. Um, those... Um, what about Spain? Do you have any f favorites in Spain? I, you know, I, I haven't, not very... Yeah, I, I've never... I, I'll, I'll be honest. I wanted to go back to my roots. And by, by that, I mean I've been studying and I've been sort of digging up uh, these Mexican composers and, and trying to perform their music and trying to learn about them. Because I think in the Western classical, you know, canon, we have these certain things. It's not, Mexican classical music is not mariachi. Although I love mariachi and I love, mm -hmm. you know, these things, but the folk music... And, and, and the Mexican artists uh, have something to contribute. And yeah, I think yeah, it's a huge, huge deal. Um, I recall my days in Mexico when I was there quite often. We would, uh, I learned a lot about the music in Jose Alfredo Jimenez, Agustin yeah. Larra, Agustin Larra. And just Mexi Mexico, Mexico had so many great musicians, you know? And uh, people underestimate, they don't know this. I mean, I, I don't know how many uh, uh, songs um, uh, Agustin Larra wrote, but, but many, many. And, of course, he did Granada and, and without ever being in Granada. But you, you think of all these composers in Mexico. It's just a rich in music, isn't it? Mexico, totally. Incredible. And dance, both. But yeah. um, awesome thing. Um, tell us about your experiences with DACA now in uh, could you tell the listeners what that means, DACA? Yeah, so DACA stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. So that was a, a program uh, President Obama uh, began by executive action, granting it, it, it's not permanent residency or, or citizenship, or um, it's just this deferral of, of, you know, of deportation, I guess. Um, you were you had the opportunity to apply for it. You had to meet certain criteria, and you got you know a social security number, and you were able to work and study. And, and I mean that that was a huge huge thing for me and for many people. But I remember my goal was to finish high school, go back to Mexico, and begin my college studies down there because I didn't want to be. Uh, trapped in a system. I didn't want to end up in a factory working. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I think that um, uh, I wanted to do more and I wanted to be uh, to become a teacher. So I said, I can't do that here without being, you know, documented. So, but then this came out. I was able to enroll at IU South Bend. I studied for a year and then the governor said, you know, we're going to charge you out-of-state tuition, uh, even though you graduated here, you know, in local high school. 
And so that was going to double, triple my, my tuition. And even then, I, I mean, for me, when I got that degree, it wasn't just mine. It was my mom and my dad. It was those long hours. It was friends. It was, you know, summers working in, in the factory. I mean, this is not just my, my degree. This is this Lots is my, of people. <laughs> so I, I put my schooling uh, in pause, and I served, I served a two-year mission uh, for my church. And uh, while all of this was, while I was on my mission, DACA came out, the governor sort of changed his mind on, on, on the, you know, tuition. I come back from my mission. I apply for DACA. I get DACA. Um, I start paying uh, in-state tuition again because of the new laws. And so because of that, I was able to find a good job. I was able to continue my studies. And now it was, you know, this, this freedom that that allowed me and just thousands of other students and uh, was just an amazing thing. And it's by any means, it's not a perfect program. Um, but I think it's a great, it was a great good start. Now, where does it stand at, the, at this point? The DACA situation. Now, so the young kids today going through college, etc., uh, they're still okay, right? I mean, they, they they didn't didn't this just pass recently, wasn't it? Some of the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's still, many of many of the first DACA recipients. Um, it, it's been I think six, eight years. Uh, so many of us have now graduated and, and are now working in our different professions. Uh, but uh, today, uh, I think uh, there was a Congress voted on, on a pathway for citizenship uh, for, you know, these dreamers, the DACA recipients and, and, and other, you know, uh, TPS recipients. So I think it's a great it's a great uh, Step. I haven't read the 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 news articles yet, so mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what what they are. But you know, from what I've seen on on social media, it's it's a great first uh, first step. It so. is. It is. It's a good start. Uh, one of the things I'm always puzzled by with the immigration situation is this: Why is it that we do not have good immigration laws that are fair and just? We've had years to do this, and it seems like. Every administration, be it Democrat, Republican, they kind of pa- it gets passed down to the next one, right? But it, it evolves, but and yet we still haven't gotten, I don't think so far, an effective immigration program, right? For so where there is a pathway to citizenship for for the many of the Latinos in the United States, uh, and I find it very bothersome, and I think it's time the government. Get, that federal government does something and to to alleviate this this problem, and it could be the passage of new laws, immigration laws, but it just seems to me that if you have people coming from another country, and they're in this country and they work hard, and after five years, you know, or seven years, and this they could have a path to citizenship, right? And after set five or seven years, you can become a citizen, and it just it makes logical sense, doesn't it? I mean. Yeah, that's the that I feel like that's that's where the problem lies. It's not um, every single situation is different for every single person. Right. Whether you've uh, 
and so it seems like we, uh, the country makes these laws as as we go, you know. So yes, there's no uh, A B C one two three type, uh, uh, you know, rules and laws. So it, it's it's difficult, and so people um, don't want to go through those hardships of because one language is a big barrier. Um, two, they may not have the means to, you know, approach uh, an immigration office or a lawyer and say, this is where I stand. What can I do? And, and, and let me tell you something. People are willing to work. People are willing to yes. get, you know, get in line. Exactly. People. Yes. So this, is there, is there a, a solution you think? You think we could, can have a solution? One of the things about You've heard this many times, you know, that uh, uh, simplicity is the mother of everything, right? That if we make law, that, but, but there's a lot to be said about uh, sometimes in Washington, they get D.C., they, people get too complicated with this, you know, that, that keep things simple, right? And, and some of the great things that ever have been written, you know, started out as being simple, right? I mean, they, and that you enjoy reading and some of the great writers... And it isn't terribly complicated, right? I mean, it's it's very doable and understandable. So, uh, but we get on this this uh, this uh, binge of uh, I, I call it kind of ignorance in a way in the politicians' part. You know, I mean, it's like they don't have a clue as to what really is going on. Do you think? Sometimes I don't think they have a clue. You know, they and and the, the, other than their advisors telling them they've never been out in, in the real world. Sometimes, but uh, so. You get your music projects. Uh, you, you love to do music projects. I'm sure of that. And have you written a book yet? I have not. Well, that's coming up, right? If you get that PhD, you're going to have to do that dissertation, right? So, absolutely. So, I'm looking forward to to like I said, for me, educating people has been my goal with everything I I try to leave somebody, someone with, with a new piece of knowledge wherever I go or just sharing, you know, hey, watch this video. I really liked it because X, Y, Z. So I'm always, I'm always in teacher mode. That's good. Awesome. One of the things I'm going to tell the listeners about Juan Carlos, this interview has been wonderful so far, and I'm sure it will continue being wonderful. But one of the things I've noticed talking with you, speaking with you, and many times when, when I have the, the guest on, especially te- the teachers, uh, and it doesn't matter any level. It could be elementary, middle school, high school, college. The great teachers have a passion for what they're doing, right? I mean, you have this passion. I can join us just listening to you. There's beautiful passion for what you're doing, love of what you're doing. And I think that's something that uh, many of the teachers, like you said, Mrs. Peterson, remember Miss Peterson, right? Miss Peterson had a passion, right? Same thing. She had a passion and you got excited about English, and you're doing the same thing in music, which is wonderful. You know, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, um, anyways, somehow you ended up getting a Grammy, right? Can you tell the uh, the listeners about that? That was yeah. quite a deal, wasn't it? I mean, so, as a musician, I, I didn't start playing the clarinet or the piano thinking that one day, <clears throat> you know, it's not... It's not like I pick up and say, I'm going to the practice room because I want to get a Grammy. These things, <laughs> for, me, 
what can I do for enjoyment and what can I do to share my gift with others? Um, so this was not even, this was a dream I didn't know I had. Um, so with, with the whole DACA uh, situation, uh, uh, the previous administration tried, ran on the platform of we're going to get rid of it. Um, this is going to end. And uh, there was there was a, a Kabir Segal who who was producer and John Diversa who was the composer of, of of the music of the album said we want to do something to bring light to this situation because not very many people know either a DACA recipient or you know or what's going on and so my friend at the time also a DACA recipient wrote a little opinion article in the New York Times. And he didn't think anything of it. You know, New York Times, you're probably not going to get published, you know, one in a million. <laughs> but, but his article gets published. Uh, Kabir picks up the New York Times, reads the article, reaches out to my friend. We were, uh, he was a senior, I was a junior um, at IU South Bend. We didn't know we were DACA. Uh, students because you know that just doesn't come up in conversation and that's not the first thing I I ask when I meet another Latino Hispanic person <laughs> right. because it's like you know right that does not define us right that does not define me um, so uh, he's like hey this is a great project I said go for it man and so he, he, he goes down to Miami. I'm teaching piano. I get a call from him, says, we need somebody to play organ on, on one of the tracks and piano on the others. Are you interested? And I said, first of all, I don't have the money to go down to Miami. Second, what are you talking about? Third, I can't just drop everything and leave. And he says, do you want to do it or not? I said, yes. And he's like, somebody will be contacting you with, uh, you know, travel arrangements and everything. Just do what they tell you and, and, and it, it's all going to be good. So I am shocked because he, he's inviting me to this project. Somebody indeed does call me and says, hey, can you send a picture of your driver's license? And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't even know you. <laughs> and... and but you know what? She's like, oh, my name is so-and-so. I'm arranging flights and everything. Well, within an hour, two hours, I have a flight. I have hotel reservation. And, I mean, it's all ready to go. The, the, part, the funny part is that I'm a classically trained musician. And this was a jazz album. So th there's correlation in, 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 in jazz and classical music. But, I mean... You have to, jazz is just, it's a whole different, a whole different thing. So there was no music written yet for me. They just knew they wanted an organ or <laughs> this song. So I get to the studio down in Miami and, and, and I look at this framework of, of chords and it's like, that's not even the real music. It's just like, here's an idea. And so... We went and we recorded, and, and it was a week-long recording process, and it was great. I don't think none of this hit me until I was flying back home 
And I was like, what in the world did I just do? And I didn't know it would be such a, a, an impactful project in my life and in the life of others. So um, for me, that was a highlight of, of, of my, my short career up to this point. And then um, I said, you know, I, I, can, I can die happy. I've recorded this album. <laughs> it comes out in September. It came out in September. My picture was on that cover. And I was like, okay, this tops the last experience. And so then December, I, I get these phone calls. I'm driving to school. And it's like, congratulations, congratulations. And I'm like, oh, thanks. But September was like a few months ago. Not. <laughs> I get to school and they're like, hey, congrats on the Grammy nomination. I'm like, what? And so I, I go to this, I go to one of the classrooms and I look on social media. And there it was, three, three nominations. Wow. This is insane. So then that experience topped the one in September when the CD came out. <laughs> yeah. So when you did this, this CD, what kind of music was it again? Then it was... It was jazz. I, uh, jazz, but I mean, what was the content of the whole thing about? So, yeah, so the reason it was jazz was because, you know, back in the day, uh, African-Americans and, 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 and white musicians, you mm -hmm. know, you, or people in general, you wouldn't see them together. The, the only time where you would see this mix was at these nightclubs playing jazz. Mm -hmm. And then after you left the stage, it went back to, you know, the racism <laughs> and all that stuff. But that's what united them. So they thought jazz was a, 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 a good way to bring us all together. The content was, uh, we played things like America the Beautiful, Stars and Stripes, Living in America by James Brown, and um, all these different Americana type mm -hmm. uh, type of songs, and uh, America from West Side Story. And just what is what is it called? The CD? Can you? Is it available? Yes, it's a, called American Dreamers. Okay. Okay. Musical. I'm sorry, American Dreamers. What What's after that? Voices of Hope. Okay. Music of Freedom. Wow. So they, I could get this online? Yeah, yeah. It's At on the, Amazon and, and iTunes and all okay. of that. American Dreamers uh, and then the, the Voices of Hope. Hope and, and uh, Music, of, music freedom. of Freedom. Okay. Very nice. So, and it's... Uh, Really, kind of upbeat type things. I'm assuming, right? Literally yeah. upbeat. And and in between, there's little segments where where we speak. There's like spoken dialogue. Mm -hmm. so, so when the Grammys were given out, did you go? That's that's the other thing. They uh, I get a call in January, and they're like, "We have eight tickets." <laughs> you got to go. All right. And I said yes, and she's like, "There's a bad part." we can't sponsor your trip out here. So I was like, you know what? I'll start walking now because I have to be there. No, where was it that they gave it? L.A. This LA. Is L.A. Oh, my gosh. And so um, <laughs> luckily my friend lived 15 minutes outside of L.A. So um, I, was, I, I was working uh, at the University of Notre Dame in the Center for Civic Innovation. And I said, hey, I have this opportunity to travel um, 
to LA for for a project. Uh, do you think uh, the program could you know fly me out there? And they're like, yeah. All you have to do is you know talk about this, this, and this with people you meet there. I'm like, I'll do it. And so I went out there and stayed with my friends. And my friend didn't know I was there for the Grammys. Uh, uh, <laughs> I didn't uh, want I, I I didn't want this to be about me. I wanted this to be about the CD and and my friends and and, and the cause. So nobody knew I was there until <laughs> you know. Sunday morning, the day of the Grammys, I, I get, you know, all nice with my shiny gray suit. And, <laughs> and they're like, oh, where are you going? I was like, well, I'm going to the Grammys. <laughs> uh, uh, we're sitting there, you know, we're meeting with, with, my, with my friends and, and, and we sit there and the first award comes on. And I said, whatever happens, we've made it this far. <laughs> And then we said, all we want is one out of three. Like, that's, that's, that's all we want. And so we get the first award. And then I said, you know what? I can die happy now. <laughs> and so the second award comes. And we also win again. And I'm like, this oh, can't be. Oh, for goodness sake. Wow. And so the third award comes. And I said, if we win... We have to go on stage because I don't know when the next time we'll set foot on, 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 on a Grammy stage. And so not, not everybody gets, gets to go up. So um, uh, they, they, they say the third award and, and they announce, you know, American Dreamer, Voices of Hope, Music of Freedom. For God's sake. <laughs> We're going up there. And so we go up there and I mean, that experience. Oh, my goodness. Now, was that... That was not this year, but the year before? That was, yes. 2020, uh, January. Uh, 19, actually. 2019, okay. I'll put that down. 2019. Well, congratulations. What an experience. Oh, my goodness. And then you met a lot of people, right? I'm sure you met all these neat people. and All these wonderful people. This was... For some reason, I was... You know, these other organizations and competitions... You go in there and, and you're competing against, you know, these other people. But you walk into that room and everybody knows everybody, and and there's this there's this sort of family uh, environment, you know, mm -hmm. and everyone's there supporting each other and just it, the the neat thing about this is that it's an award for musicians given by musicians. Yes, yes. So it's your own people recognizing. Mm -hmm. uh, your work and that's what that's what's special about it mm -hmm. and it's and just the the family aspect and the support that that you receive and it doesn't matter who wins because at the end everyone's conscious of you know you go back to wherever you came from and you're going to do something about it right so that comes mm -hmm. with it magnificent wow what unbelievable so this um, this is about uh, the DACA kids, right? Pretty much, yeah. and and very upbeat and, and and just very positive type thing. Beautiful, magnificent. Well, congratulations! That is some. That is really, really, really amazing. That's quite a story. Wow. So, um, so we're down to um, 
language learning for a minute. Uh, let's talk about culture, because you talked about it early on when you were learning English. Culture really is huge, isn't it, in language learning? And that's why, and I mentioned to you about our summer programs we have for Spanish teachers to learn more about culture. And our, our summer programs are high culture stuff, you know, very high intensity culture. The classes are out in the street. And um, so this, this idea of culture uh, in language learning, um, for, for you, for example, in English, uh, when you, were, uh, you first came in the United States, what, what was the thing about culture that struck you the most when you were in grade school? I mean, the, this, this whole idea of culture, was it uh, just everything, pretty much, like music, uh, music and then uh, painting, maybe sports and this or that. Was it what was it, or was it the families? Uh, so I, for me, I think it's important to always ask yourself how and why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a young, as a young kid, you know, you you ask yourself these questions, but they may not be as in depth as as you know now that I think of the how and why Mm -hmm. Um, but as a kid I one of the things that uh, that that I noticed was the involvement that my parents had in my upbringing and education not that my my other friends did not have that Mm -hmm. but it was more of a a distant more of of you know uh, school, you know, you go to school to learn and, and, you know, you come home and we do these things. But there was this disconnect between between those generations and, 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 and myself and, 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 you know, aunts, uncles and, and, and all of those things. So for me, I had, I've always had this safety net of, of support. First for my my mom and dad and then, you know, siblings and, and all of those things. So when I, I, you know, simple things as, as birthday parties, I, we'd get invited to these things and uh, we would get dropped off, but my parents wanted to sort of stick around and, you know, th- there was a place for the adults and a place for the kids, but it's like, that wasn't always the case. In our parties, you know, it, it's the tia that comes and the tio and then the vecinos, the neighbors, and I mean, this, it's a, it's a community of, of, of people, you know. Yes, I, and, I, and, I, and I say that when I first learned Spanish, I was in Bogota, Colombia, and I was studying at the Javeriana University there and lived with a, a family, but, and the mother and father were both dentists, and she, the mother was the first woman dentist in Colombia, and, but as you just said, the culture was huge for me, and, and they'd have they'd have birthday parties, they'd have music, and they'd sometimes they have a band come to the house and play, or people down the street. And then in Mexico, in San Luis Potosí, I was really fortunate. I stayed in a, like a boarding house, and and there were there, most of them were Mexican uh, college students, and this the whole neighborhood they love singing, and they'd, they once or twice a week we'd go to the house, or they'd come to the place I was staying. And they bring their guitars and we sing music, you know. And, and they taught me all these neat Mexican, you know, all the mariachi things and the musica ranchera. 
and uh, so well that I still, if I'm out somewhere, I still know all the words and can say. But but the role of music, right, and especially music, and I'm I'm so glad that you're doing that you're involved in music because uh, I think music has such a powerful. It's a powerful tool for learning language, isn't it? You know, listening too, listening and. we had a group in um, in Madrid a couple of years ago in the summer program, and we got to go. We saw Juanes. Juanes was singing, right? Oh goodness! I, I mean, it was just something that you you know. The guy's an incredible singer, and uh, but you know, if you get to hear all that beautiful songs in Spanish, you know, and you hear all the in some of the the ways that you can teach language using music, right? And 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 and. And the words, and then you get into the dance, and how music and dance combine. But but it's it's a powerful tool, isn't it? What 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 do you think about for what what you're doing now? Do you see down the road that you're going to get into more of music within in language learning sometime? Absolutely, I think there's there's a there's a connection between the arts and just uh, yes, exactly. Um, and it's not just uh, music, but visual arts and, and dance and, and, and all of these things. I think the visual brings us back to the to the aural um, and, you know, hearing it. And then when you hear it, you want to share it and internalizing yes. it. And for me, uh, let me tell you a quick story. When I was uh, a student teacher, there was this boy, uh, fourth grade um, didn't know English, so he would just sit there, didn't understand much. And so I said, you know what? You speak Spanish, you speak English. There's a reason why you can't teach in both languages. And so I, I started repeating the same thing I was saying in English in Spanish. And the moment that kid learned, uh, heard his language, he put his head up started paying attention, started repeating the English things. And the other kids were like, you know, Mr. A, why are you speaking that? <laughs> or we don't understand that. And I just acted like nothing was happening. So I started ignoring them because if I, if I were to sort of, you know, say, oh, well, it's Spanish, uh, so-and-so doesn't understand, so I'm trying to be inclusive and try to... They don't need to know any of that. All they need to feel and see... And, and understand is that, you know, this is, this is, there's many aspects of teaching. So I continued and I asked a question and this kid raises his hand and my, my cooperating teacher, uh, you know, we had a, a great time that they left and he says, that is the first time this entire year that he's ever been involved in, in, in class. And I said, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, I don't think it was anything special that I did. I just, you know, used my resources mm -hmm. and we all have them. We all, we, that's what, that's why I love teaching. That's why I love, uh, you know, what I do is in that community engagement aspect of, of, of my life. It's amazing because if I cannot do it, I will find somebody who can and I will, I will learn. I will, I will teach. I will. So the visual bring us, brings us back to the oral, and then we can communicate that way. Yes, exactly, exactly. It's, it's just a music such a powerful tool. And uh, 
it just it's astounding, really, in language. I, I've always, I used to, and still do, I use music a lot when I teach Spanish, still do. You know, yeah. where we're just listening and singing, where, where, where the kids sing. And, and even that in itself in another language, you remember probably in English when you were singing those songs in English, right? And you'd go, yeah. wow, this is neat, right? And the kids are like that learning Spanish, who, you know, are not natives and things. So, um, well, what about this, um, the Latinos in the U.S. today? What are the couple of things you think we could do in our country to improve the lives of the Latinos today in the U.S.? I think... I, I, I really don't like this uh, visual of, of the melting pot. Um, I, I know that's been used uh, to sort of describe what the U.S. is. Mm-hmm. I subscribe to the idea of a mosaic. Mm-hmm. You know, you a melting pot, you put in a bunch of different things, you melt them, they become one. Th- that is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to be the same material, the same person as <laughs> exactly. my friend down the road. Yes. What I want is to continue, you know, continue doing what I do, but I also want to learn from you. I also want to embrace you. And something that I always tell my students is that respect doesn't come from everyone being the same, but respecting others' differences. Mm -hmm. So unity doesn't come from being the same, but respecting others' others' differences. And I tell them that every single time. And, 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 I, and I remind them too, you know, you can do hard things. I, and that, that's, those are like my, my two main <laughs> things. And I think all of us, I think we, we can embrace those things. Come, come as you are and then open yourself up to new opportunities, new experiences, because, you know, there is no way we can maintain ourselves or, or be in one place and not grow. Ex- Life is about growing. Yes, exactly. And it's uh, uh, well said, beautifully said. Um, so what's your favorite places to visit? Do you have any favorite places you like to visit? Well, it's, it's wherever there's people, I'm there. So it doesn't matter. I, I, I can't be alone. I have to be with people. If it's a music festival, if it's, uh, you know, here here in northern Indiana, mm-hmm. we have the Blueberry Festival, the Apple Festival. We have all these little, the Jazz Festival. You know, of course. Everything, right? Yeah. Pandemic, they've been canceled, but I absolutely love meeting people where they are. So I, I love visiting these little towns with like, their history and like, you know, here we, uh, you know, we make this apple pie because X, Y, Z, or here we drink this drink because so anywhere, you know, you know, where there's people or there's culture, I'm, uh, I, I love, I love nature. I, I don't, uh, you know, taking walks and hikes and, and all these things. I, I love all of that. So uh, I, I, I think you're, I was talking to Guero Loco today. And yeah. uh, you guys have got a neat little project going, right? Yes. Yeah, that's that's another neat little project. Uh, he Guero one time uh, invited me to go to Chicago. He won a music award, the Chicago Music Award there. Uh, he won a couple of them, actually. And uh, so he invited 
me and my wife to go with him. And of course, he was my one, one of my students in high school during the day. And uh, we went up there. And uh, another person that does a great job he does with motivating kids, you know, with music and it's just magnificent. You know, the little rapping things and the, yeah. and the other things. He's getting into other things now too, which is awesome. But again, he has a passion for that, you know, the music and the helping the kids. So, uh, but you guys got a neat thing going, right? It's, uh, it's going to be coming out soon, right? Uh, yeah. um, he had, um, he had many people uh, use the phrase, uh, from ESL to wherever we are. Okay. Um, it was inspiring to see where people were and where they are now. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, just to touch a little bit on, on, on you know, my whole ESL, ENL journey, I, I, I mentioned before, I miss being in, in band and in, in that environment, but I couldn't be in band or orchestra because they were so far advanced. The only group I could join was choir. And I said, you know, I'll take it. But that was the same time as the ESL class. And I have to be in there unless I got a four to test out of it. <laughs> four or five. Right. And give me the test right now. Like, tell me what I need to study. Tell me what I need to know. And, and Mrs. Gregory, I, I still remember Mrs. Gregory. She said, this is what you need to do to pass. This is what needs to happen. You know, if you pass the test, I'll sign the paper and you can go do your music. And I said, okay. And I said, when's the test? When do I need to know by? I studied for that test. I, I, I read, I, I, I wrote, I, everything I could. The day of the test comes, I take the test, I get this letter. I think it was, I don't know, it was colorful on the top. I still remember it. And it says five. Wow. And, and she signed the letter and she's like, you know, I, I wish you would stay because you're such a, you know, big help in the classroom, but I, you know, I, I, I left that. And so I went from that ESL student to, you know, going to my music and just, ne- uh, I, I, I don't, I don't want to say never looking back. Uh, I, I always like to look back, you know, and see where I've come from. That's sort of what drives my future. But, you know, for me, that was a, a, a time where, where I knew I could do it, I knew I uh, working hard I could succeed, and that's that's been my my motto. Magnificent, yeah, just a magnificent journey, and and to think that you're still ho- un jovencito, <laughs> you're yeah. still pretty young, hombre, uh, and very young actually, and you got a long way to go, and you're going to be doing a lot more, probably Grammy things as before you finish this up. You may have eight or ten Grammys by then. <laughs> That's incredible. So you're incredible. I I can't believe all that you've done in a short period of time. Uh, Inspiration to everybody. You're just uh, awesome. And you're an awesome professor and and, uh, soon to be, very soon probably a a doctor. And uh, and we're just happy that uh, we have people like you around, you know. I mean, you're just done beautiful things already, so it's magnificent. And I thank you for being on the show. You've been an incredible guest. And uh, I'm sure people are inspired to listen to your words. And like I said, uh, how old are you? Would you mind revealing how old you are? I am 28. 28 years old. All of you listening, 
Juan Carlos is 28 years old. Can you imagine when he gets to be 65 or 70? How many things he's going to have created by then and how many millions of people he's going to inspire. So uh, thank you so much for being on the show and you've been awesome. And uh, it's been a great honor to have you here on the show. And uh, we'll, we'll get together sometime. You know, we'll all, you know, maybe we'll all meet up here in Indiana somewhere and, and get together. And uh, uh, it would be a pleasure to do that. And uh, uh, so I thank you again. And uh, uh, for the listeners, thank you for being here to listen tonight to the show. And our next uh, guest, hopefully, is going to be a mariachi singer with a bit of little me. A little uh, Mexico on the show a little bit, maybe sing a con- dos or tres canciones and have some little music. So uh, Juan Carlos, again, thank you so much, and uh, we will be in touch. Okay, absolutely. And, and, uh, well, you're welcome, and thank you again, everybody, and have a great rest of the week, everybody. Nos vemos hasta pronto. Que que vamos a tener el cantante. Okay, hasta pronto. <laughs>